Good evening, family and friends. Welcome to Mosaic. Hi, I love the waves. <laughs> no, there's so much more waves now. I hope you've had a good Saturday. Um, I had the privilege of being a part of our first Timothy class that was in the training center today. Um, Dr. Yarborough, all the way from Dallas Theological Seminary, came up and walked us, as well as a lot of folks from Sunday morning and other congregations here at Fellowship, through First Timothy and went into crazy depth. And it was a blessing, and it was awesome. Um, in case you didn't know, Fellowship Bible Church has a cool partnership with Dallas Theological Seminary. We got a cohort going on, and there's actually a lot of folks on staff um, as well as in our congregations here at Fellowship that have been through seminary at DTS. So if you are interested in seminary, if that's something that's been on your mind at all, um, Amanda Bodecker with DTS Admissions is here tonight. She's in the central booth there in the foyer, and she'd love to connect with anyone who just has questions about seminary at DTS um, as well as just maybe seminary in general. She'd love to talk to you. So please feel free to go and talk to her if you like. Will you stand with us tonight as we sing and praises to our God in one voice here together? What a blessing. Let's sing. Praise the Lord. His mercy.
He lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood beneath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they We just sit and recognize how merciful you are, how great your mercy is, how undeserving we are of your mercy, and we love you. What a blessing to come into this room and sing praises to our King Jesus. Would you be pleased by our words, by the meditations of our heart? May they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
Praise you, Lord. We love you in this place tonight. We're grateful to worship your holy name together. You guys can take a seat. Good evening, good evening, Mosaic family. I am so excited that you're here. This is one of my favorite places to be on a Saturday night, so this is one of your first times. If you're new, we'd really like to know you. Um, so please, you can follow these links up on the screen so we can just get to know you um, and just get to know more about you because we love people. Um, but if you love people and you'd rather talk to people than through the internet, we have an info booth in the foyer that we'd love to just get to know you more. So there'll be people there after service to talk to you. My name is Melanie Manning. I am on staff here at Mosaic. I am with the elementary team. And I am in charge of small group coordinating. So I get to pick all of what we study in the small groups. And I work with first grade through, through fifth grade. So usually I'm upstairs on that stage, which is not like super different. It's just like the size of the stage is smaller and the size of the audience is smaller. And the size of like the people in the audience are smaller. <laughs> but I'm really glad that I get to be here with you. So working with kids, I know for a fact that Christmas is 49 days away. I know that because they're like super excited about the holidays all the time. So I'm really excited. I'm gonna transfer that energy um, to tell you about some of our opportunities that we have for Christmas for our congregation. First one is Operation Christmas Child. Okay, this is to be a chance to be like generous and to make a difference far away. Okay, so Operation Christmas Child, that's like the shoe boxes that you get to take and um, fill up and then return it back here. And the due date is November 19th. If I was with my kids, I would say, repeat that after me, November 19th. That way you remembered it. And then next, so that's to make a difference far away. If you wanna make a difference near, this is really cool. It's one of the first things we're doing. This partners with the Samaritan Church and it is um, called Affordable Christmas. And it's your being able to help um, families in our community like right here with us and also giving them dignity by being able to help their families out. So it's a really cool opportunity. So if you wanna to donate to that, that is by, repeat after me, December 10th. Perfect, okay. So um, the next thing is holidays, as much as kids love them, it's not always the easiest thing. So I want you to know that if Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's Eve coming up just like weighs heavy on your soul, that you are not alone and that our church offers a grief share. So if you want more information, please um, do that QR code and just know that you are not the only one going through sadness during a time that's usually coded with joy. And then to reiterate from last week's um, announcements, we have a survey that we want all of our congregants to fill out. This is just so our leadership team really knows um, where all of you are going with the new Fellowship Bentonville campus that's opening up and we are like stoked about. Uh, so we wanna know where your family stands on it, um, if you're going, if you're staying. So just make sure and fill it out. So we just have all the information and we are as updated as possible. Okay. I am going to pray, and it's funny because I usually offer this up to all of my kids when I'm upstairs because I think it's really important for them to be able to pray um, in a microphone, and it's actually one of, like, my most terrifying things. Uh, so I always pass it off to a kid, but <laughs> um, I'm going to do it, and I looked up this one that encourages us to um, praise really well. So I'm going to read it from my phone. I just didn't want you to think because of my younger generation that I'm just, like, playing with my phone on stage. Um, but here it is. So if you would bow your head and just listen um, to this beautiful prayer about praise and singing praise. Oh Lord, 
our good shepherd. You are the source of all true and lasting joy. And we praise you for your power, which is beyond compare. And we worship you for your wisdom, which is beyond understanding. And you can meet all of our needs. And you restore the brokenhearted and you heal the wounded. And you have revealed yourself to your people and are building your church against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. How great you are. Lord, fill our hearts with love as we respond by singing praises to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Why don't you stand with us as we prepare to sing this next song of worship? Take a minute to read that scripture on the screen from Zephaniah.
Lord, we love you and we are yours and we declare that boldly and powerfully tonight. We are nothing without you and we belong to you. Help that to form our identity. Help that to form our identity here. Please, by your spirit, by your power.
our God, our Father, and our friend. We praise you as such, and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. Good evening, friends. How are you? Wow, quiet. That's okay. I can ask again. How are you, friends? Hey, that's what we're talking about. Hey, if you have a Bible or device, First Timothy, please. Uh, they'll have scripture on the screen for us, but there's something about having the Word of God with you, in front of you, marking it up. So I invite you, please, First uh, Timothy. And we've been in this series uh, for a bit now, and uh, we're actually coming into the, the last uh, few teachings of it. And I don't know about you, but it has been a challenging yet refreshing time uh, in my walk with the Lord. Uh, my name's Colin. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, welcome if you're a guest. We're so glad you're here. Uh, just a, a quick recap, although not to, to put too much. We, we've been seeing Paul, the apostle, writing to one of his disciples, Timothy, throughout this letter. And, and the last time that Paul saw Timothy was in the city of Ephesus, where Paul has been called now to go to, to different churches and planting and, and has left Timothy and a few faithful followers in Ephesus to continue to shepherd that church well. And one of the things that is happening here in Ephesus is, is happening in many of the letters across the New Testament is we have some folks who are known as false teachers. And so Timothy has, uh, Paul's been writing to Timothy some, some pretty uh, specific instruction on how to help this church thrive amongst some false gospels and false teachers in their midst. And uh, back in chapter one, if you were with us, it was the threat of these false teachers that, that they were opposing the work of God in that city and in that church, that they were finding themselves so obsessed with myths and controversies and they were stirring dissension within the body and, and it's caused a threat that, that Paul wants to call Timothy to. And, and while we don't know specifically what exactly these false teachers were doing, uh, what it was that they were saying, there's a couple of different views. What we do know is that the source of their false teaching is demonic. And it's straight out of hell. And that Paul's concern is that, uh, that for these false teachers, not only what they're doing to the church, but even for them as human beings and the, and the corruption that's taking place in their hearts and their minds. And so he's calling Timothy Know their source. Is, is, this isn't just a, a fun conversation. This is actually straight out of hell to, to distract and destroy the church. And tonight we'll continue and we'll find the motive, what these, uh, what's driving these false teachers. And as Paul writes to them, that uh, they think godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, I didn't, I don't want to be the guy that talks about money. <laughs> Like, I think there's a couple of short straws you could get in Timothy, and uh, it feels like the financial one is one you could get. But my hope for us tonight is, is not that you leave this room with, oh, great, the church asking for more money from me. But rather, you would see the opportunities that God has given us in our resources, regardless of your financial situation, and that we could be a church that was known for our worship and our resources together in this place. So let's dive in, if you wouldn't mind. Follow me in First uh, Timothy, starting in 6.2. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. Paul's reflecting on the, everything he said so far in the letter. And if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching... 
That, that term sound instruction there, Paul is, is calling anybody who's going to come up against the gospel. That is the good news that God is creating a new humanity, new heaven, new earth through his son. The person and work of Jesus, that is that he is God's son, Emmanuel, come to us in the flesh to live a perfect life, die the death that we deserve, atoning for sin, rose three days later, ascended and is going to return. That sound instruction of Jesus, that anybody who's going to teach otherwise, the term sound here comes across as unhealthy that it's going to have a negative effect, not only on the, the mental and spiritual reality, but even on the physical and relational reality within your church. And uh, Harvard recently did a study where uh, they pulled together a team and Harvard said, we really want to have graduates who have a, an understanding, not just of, of the knowledge they have, but can go out to make the world a better place. And so they had this term, human flourishing. That is to promote the humanity to continue and grow and flourish together. And uh, Harvard, they, all these students and professors came into a room and they began to, to put together some different statistics and how do we define this and, and what makes a human flourish and what doesn't. And they narrowed it down to about five key areas that uh, for us to thrive and flourish as humans are necessary. And uh, the first one uh, was Relationships. That healthy relationships are going to be key to us flourishing in humanity. Next uh, was actually uh, spirituality. To, to think we're living in the West and that God is dead and that, that people don't have an interest in spirituality. What, what Harvard found in the study was actually, no, there's a great openness to spirituality. That people not only care about healthy relationships, they want to have something beyond themselves to connect with in this life. Thirdly was uh, the physical and mental health, that you would take care of your body and your mind. Next was your uh, emotional health and well-being, that you have a place to be sad and anger and ways to, to do that. And then fifth was uh, fiscal material stability, that you have the opportunities for resources and the job, and not only that, that you have the materials, shelter, food, clothing. And that these five, they wanted, Harvard wanted to release students who are going to graduate and promote these things. And I want you to look, as Paul says, this is unhealthy teaching. Notice how it wrecks almost all five. Verse four, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions. Sound a little bit familiar, huh? I mean, families have been divided over the last 24 months over some ideologies in our, in our nation and it's ripping relationships apart and it's causing these suspicions of, of who is this and who's that and we lose sight of who the real enemy in this world is and it's not an image bearer. Verse five, constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Uh, the, the term godliness that, that Paul is using here is a, a God-centered life. It is Christ-likeness. It is growing into the image of the son. And that is not just the agenda for a Christian. That is the agenda for the human is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So whether you're a mom or a dad or you're working a child, whatever age, whatever season of life, ethnicity, any of it, 
we're being conformed to the image of the son that we would live and walk and talk like Jesus who had the best life on this earth you can know. And the false teachers, they're seeing this godliness that we can use religion as a pyramid scheme to make a little bit of money. You ever been a part of a pyramid scheme? Not a fun experience, is it? <laughs> it just, it wrecks the relationship and it leaves everybody empty handed. But Paul's writing to Timothy here to instruct this church. Here's what I want you to do. These false teachers that are sharing a false Christ, they're just in it for the money. And then Paul continues. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. See, Paul's concern here for Timothy is, is continued to, to the fight for godliness. Not only for Timothy, but for this church in Ephesus, how they are to pursue Christ's likeness, to continue in the way of Jesus in this community of saints. And one of the things that Paul begins with is that this, this, this conforming to be like Jesus, this God-centered life is gonna be found in, in contentment. Joy, knowing and understanding that what God has given you is enough. It's enough. And he says that, that the great gain, it's a quality of life. I mean, to be able to live this life free of anxiety and the constant stress and strife of always hustling and having to go and the opportunities to be thankful in this life. And so Paul starts that, that to pursue godliness in a material world begins with contentment, to, to give thanks, to say, God, you have me right where you long for me to be, and that's enough. It's enough. There's a pastor named John Lynch. He says that the quality of your life is based in trusting this truth, that where you are right now, this moment, regardless of your circumstances or what is happening in your life, is the perfect place for you. Or the God of all goodness and power would not allow you to be there. See, I think that there's a, a thing that's happened in our culture where um, maybe it's the prosperity false teaching or just a miscued version of God where we have become convinced with a God who's not comfortable with suffering, right? Like, isn't that one of the teachings of the Western world? That if we're uncomfortable, it's, it's bad, Again, let's look at the God of the Bible. This is the God who knows the valley of the shadow of death and walks it with us. That this is a God who doesn't just look at the suffering of mankind, but actually steps into it and takes the full weight and punishment of it. That we don't worship a God who's, who's kind of distant from painful situations. No, if anything, we worship a God who joins us in that place. And so whether you're in the season where the job is amazing and the family is good and relationships are pretty functional, praise, give thanks. Or you could be in the season where this feels a lot more like the valley of the shadow of death and the going is getting tough and I'm wondering, is he just mad at me or is he not there? In both places, the call to godliness, to Christ-likeness is contentment to say, God, thank you for putting me here. I know you're with me. Paul continues in verse nine. 
Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Listen carefully. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So I think there's two traps we could see in in our world today. Uh, One is the demonizing of money. And it happens on, on whether for the rich or the poor. So it could be this, maybe you don't feel as uh, like you have enough in this life. And so the rich people are the ones to blame. They're the problem. Or, or maybe on the other side, you're rich and you're looking at folks who don't have as much as you and they're going, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Get something done. And either way, there's this demonizing of, of a human being who God has provided a, a gift toward or has placed in that situation for his purposes. One trap we fall into, the demonizing of money. The other one we could fall into is the, the glorifying of money. I don't know about you, but I sometimes lean towards the way of Jesus. Uh, I, I can't have a car or a home. I just have to give it all, all the time because money is evil. So as a follower of Jesus, I better get rid of it. Is that what Paul means by being content and steward in God's grace? No, I, I don't think so. But also we live in a culture where the shoes, I was actually really intentional on what I wore tonight, talking about money, that there was no one in the room who would be like, yeah, but he's wearing that. Like, no, I, I think there's this, this thing in our culture where we see that the, the higher you are in your wealth, the higher you are in your status, which means the higher you are in your value. And so we, we worship and, and edify wealth and money and the rich. And it, again, it causes a, a false reality, a false teaching in the church. That regularly in the New Testament church, you would have folks who were sleeping on the streets and those who have just come to Jesus and were doing very well in the Roman Empire. And continually, the New Testament says, we are not gonna have favoritism in this place. We're not gonna demonize those who have more or less. And we're also not going to glorify those who come in wearing something different than maybe what you are wearing. Because the love of money, the the worship of money, the, the putting money where it doesn't belong is what causes evil. So you have to understand what what Paul is not saying here is that money is the issue. No, it's, it's the affection. It's a misplaced affection. And you could do this with any other created thing. Sex, your relationship status, whatever you want to fill in the blank with, with something in the creative order to place all your hope and your love and affection in that causes all sorts of evil and strife in our lives and in those around us. It comes to the neglect of relationships. And when we begin to worship a paycheck or our value in our work, we begin to leave loved ones behind. See, what Paul is calling us to is that in, our, in pursuing godliness and becoming more like Christ, we have to keep our love for God central, that this is a God-centered life. So everything we have and do is out of our affection and out of our desire and devotion to him. And he continues in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, 
which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. See, I think um, in the demonizing of those who have more than us, um, we miss out on our opportunity uh, to really partner with God in this life. And by uh, trying to either demonize or glorify those who have less than us, we, we miss out on an opportunity to, to point back to the giver of every good and perfect gift. And uh, to those who are rich in this present world, I, I almost had the statistics up there uh, of the amount of, of wealth that we have here and not just in the West, but even here in the States. I, I'd encourage you sometime, Google it. Um, just do the global uh, wealth distribution and you can see. Um, but it's pretty staggering that, that we're pretty well-to-do here in Northwest Arkansas, aren't we? And that's not to say that if you're in hard times right now that, that, that you're not um, valued here, but that is to say if you were to compare living in Northwest Arkansas to compare living in, I don't know, um, Delhi, India on the, the, the slums and how much uh, we make versus how much you could make in, in that space, so there, there's one side of it where we could be arrogant and, and boast. And man, look at us, we're, we're, we're well-to-do. God's been blessing us, which is so true. But God's been giving us, Paul says, these blessings, these, this, this opportunity, one is, is to enjoy. So enjoy the awesome food of Northwest Arkansas. We have some killer food trucks, don't we? To, to go out and enjoy the, the good things that God's created in this world. If you remember earlier, back in chapter three or four, the false teachers were going around saying that marriage is bad and that this food is bad. And they were taking things that God has created as good and saying that they were evil, therefore making God himself some great distant uh, bigot who didn't want you to have any fun in this life. So one would be, if we're gonna pursue godliness in this world, enjoy the gifts that God has given you. Take the time to actually appreciate and give thanks that you get to, to be in this world with him, enjoying the many good things he's done from food to relationships, to your job, to your work, whatever it is that God's designed you to do, enjoy it and share it. Anybody got kids? I got a six-year-old, a four-year-old right now. And every single time we go into Target or Walmart, you know what they do? They want a toy. Now, I love my kids. I also love toys and I love giving them things. But we've begun to reach this point where uh, they're pretty obsessed with getting a toy every single time we go in that it's just not worth going. And not only that, there's this thing that begins to happen when, when they get out, regardless of who got what, there's this not gonna share mentality. Mine. You can't have it. And I think what Paul is pointing us to here is similar to the father in, in, in a childlike faith. That God loves to, to give his creatures gifts. It's part of who he is. It's what he does as a good and loving God. But when we, as those who, who have received so much from God, choose not to give or to share in return, we're actually missing out on opportunity to practice godliness, to become more like him and to join him. So we're not just supposed to enjoy the good gifts God's given us, that we share them, we extend it out. 
Um, by the way, this is a shameless community plug for the night. But this is an opportunity every week in and week out to get around a table with a group of saints to enjoy God's gift together and to see other opportunities to, to give it and to bless it in this world. So you're not having to do it alone. And I love, love, love when I, I sit in this room and I see community groups come in and worship together and then go out to be a blessing to Northwest Arkansas to continue to share, not just enjoy God's gifts in the city, but to share the goodness of what God's doing in their lives. And if you're missing out on that, please, we'd, we'd love to connect and get you connected. <laughs> Lastly, Paul closes in 619. He says that in this way, they, those who are rich in this present world, will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, the, the New Testament has this understanding all the way back from the teachings of Jesus that rich and poor in this life is, is not something regarding uh, your wealth or your social status. It's your spiritual reality. That those who are rich in the eyes of God are those who join his work, his kingdom at work in this world. And those who are poor are those who are gonna stand against it. See, the Bible's very clear that you can be rich in money and poor in happiness, character, and joy in this life. And if you've had money as an idol, you probably know that walk well. On the other side, you, you can be poor in resources and finance and be incredibly rich and looking like Jesus and in having joy and contentment in this life. Why? Because of what their eyes and their hearts and their affections are towards. It's to him. And I love Watchman Nee has this, this idea of God's economy. It's not done with, with resources or finances. It's actually done through his Holy Spirit and life change. And that we have the opportunity as the church to join him in this world as he's making a new heaven and new earth. And as Paul closes there, that looking for the coming age, the return of Christ, that we have our eyes set on that day, not this one. And that uh, in God's economy, it would be grace upon grace, that it's actually a gift to us to get to participate with him in giving in this world. And that the good news of Jesus, of making all things new, that, that we can participate in that and the transformation of image bearers all the way until eternity. We wouldn't just have our money to, to hold to or have our resources to hold, that we would actually say, God, here they are. Use them how you will. And he's quoting straight from the master himself here. See, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Again, Jesus is, is calling you here. He's, he's not as concerned about how much you have. It's what's the heart behind it. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be, uh, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then he continues after saying, look at the, the gardens and, and the way that God clothes them and look at the birds and the way that God feeds them. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? Jesus says that these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. 
So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That if we were a community of faith, the followers of Jesus, who sought the kingdom, not just in our money, but in everything we do, where we work, where we live, where we play, that these would all be opportunities to invest in what God is doing in Northwest Arkansas and the world. So if I could summarize what Paul is saying to Timothy in this passage, it would be that in our pursuit of godliness, of becoming more and more like Jesus, money, our finances, our resources, our homes, our vehicles, our stuff, all of it are opportunities for worship, not the object of it. And you can fill in the blank. Instead of money, your sexuality, your identity, Anything in this creative order that God has created is good. When it becomes the object of our worship, it just begins to cause ruin and chaos in the world. But if we took it as an opportunity for worship in this life, that it, less of worship being what we give to God and more of what he does in and through us, his grace at work and our finances just being a means, not the end. So to, to put this practically for us, I think Jesus's vision and command to follow him means that we align our, lo our loves and our longings, not just, not just habits, because it, I, I'm learning now as a young father that when I try to get my kids to behave a certain way without addressing the thoughts and the feelings behind it, I don't actually get the, the desired result. They might do something, but, but it didn't change the heart. And so I think we, what we need to do is we need to go, Lord, my, my right thinking, that sound teaching of who Jesus is and what he does, as well as my desires, that, that God's concern is, is for the desire of it. I love the way that Teresa of Calcutta says that it's not how much we give that matters, the behavior, but how much love we put into giving, that the heart and the passion behind. And so as we align our, our loves and our longings to what God wants in this world, we began to actually crave his desire so we don't see our jobs or our resources or our money as ways to continue to be happy and wealthy. We see them as opportunities to join him. And I love it. I don't know who quoted it first, but I'm giving it to Nick Rowland. He said that, that there's an opportunity to make what you can in this life. It's good to work. There will be work in eternity, amen? We ain't just gonna be vacationing and sipping something all day. That we actually get to join God in new heaven, new earth working. It's good. Go. Use your gifts, your skills, and make money, but not as the means to an end. Spend it wisely on what you need. See, there's something here. We live in a culture where we think we need everything, don't we? And our phones are regularly finding the ads and, and putting us in that place of you need this and you need this and you need this. No. Identify. I, I need food. <laughs> I need shelter. I need transportation. And I need some clothes and I think I'll be good. Identify what you need and spend that wisely. Save diligently on what you should. If you've if you got things happening in the pipeline of your future, begin to invest wisely in those. So that, do those things so that you can come to a place where you can give from a posture of delight, where you can give what you want generously. Now, we have the, the, I have the blessing of getting to, to serve and shepherd here at a very generous church. Can I tell you a little bit about the generosity of fellowship? Um, I, I asked a few of our leaders, hey, can you, can you tell me, give me some global stats, just the past year. 
What has the body been up to from Sunday morning to Saturday night to Friday nights? Tell us what's going on. Listen to this. 25 countries supported with global workers from these seats. 25 countries, majority of those unreached, meaning they don't have the gospel. 25 countries because of some saints in Northwest Arkansas giving. Uh, the personal uh, 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 pioneer Bible translators. There's one tribe, 33 million unreached people do not have the Bible in their language and fellowship has said, we would love to give so that 33 million people can begin to hear the good news of Jesus in their language. Does that fire you up of the generosity in this place? How about just locally? Uh, 200,000 kiddos this year alone not going hungry because of the work of the saints in this room. Through snack packs and through our our friends, which leads to the next one, of a a Samaritan church south and a Samaritan church north, uh, both of which have been staffed from much of our Mosaic staff and and your resources have been blessed. That, That this is a very generous church. And so I'd love tonight to to close. What I don't want to do is to tell you, let's give more. You guys aren't giving enough. That's why I didn't want the money talk. But what I would love to do is say, hey, here's some more opportunities. If you're feeling the call of, I want to join God in this life and I want to give generously, here's what I would say. I'm going to put some opportunities before you. What I don't want you to do is take all mall. Please don't. If you're a guest, don't take any tonight. Let's get coffee first. Let's get you connected with a community leader and we can talk more about, we're far more concerned with the heart of the people in this room than we are with just giving some money. So uh, one coming your way is is an incredible one is student ministry mission trips uh, that they're gonna be happening in the spring break that some of our kiddos, any students in the room? Whoop, whoop. Who's going on a mission trip? Yeah. Friends, this is an opportunity in-house to bless and to give generously to our people. Uh, if you're interested, Bethany's gonna, Bethany and Scott, our student ministry team, will be out in the foyer. You're welcome to connect with them if that's a desire you have in joining God's work. Uh, this next one's cool. It's a released leader. Uh, here at Fellowship, we love producing and releasing spiritual leaders. And uh, I asked my friend T. Laughlin, if you, if you don't know T, you need to. Um, this guy is an incredible community leader for us. T's got some pretty cool stuff going on. And uh, I asked him, hey, would you just come tell us a little bit about what, what God's been doing in and through you and your wife uh, in this season? So T, tell us, uh, man, first, tell us how you came to Mosaic. Uh, yeah, so um, let's see, my wife and I, we've been uh, loved and shaped and discipled by the Mosaic body for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been a been a wonderful place for us, been a nice safe place for us. Uh, uh, both of us heal as an individual and as a, and as a couple. So it's mm-hmm. been, a, been a wonderful, wonderful yeah. place. How many years y'all been here? Uh, about 12. Nice. About 12. Uh, in, in high school, I went here, but that was before we had paved roads and stuff. And it was, you know, a much smaller church back then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've been to Mosaic for, for a while. Beautiful. And you've had a shift even in the past year. Yeah. Of God really calling you into something here in Northwest Arkansas. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's a cool story. Thanks for letting me share it. The, uh, my wife and I, we sold our donut shop that we had uh, earlier this year. We, 
uh, transferred the owners, uh, ownership over to some new people. And once we got them fully trained, we bought an RV and hit the road and, uh, and learned some really cool things. Uh, one of them is uh, RV life is not what it looks like on YouTube. <laughs> um, and another thing was that the, uh, the Lord was just making me miss some things about the donut business. Uh, mm. One of the things was the endless supply of coffee and donuts that we had mm, at our disposal. Amen. It was yes. very nice. But uh, the other one was, uh, we, we've been in the family donut business for 19 years. And so the donut shop was really our little mission field. And the mm. people that we worked with, oftentimes, uh, the way that we would impact their lives was around deep financial conversations. And so... We'd be making donuts at midnight, uh, listening to podcasts and uh, celebrating when one of our young ladies would uh, pay off their car uh, or uh, a mom of three would get an emergency fund saved up. It uh, it was a big deal. Mm. Um, There was one time we all heard about uh, a cheap cell phone plan, and everybody in the kitchen switched our cell phones over and saved half on our cell phones. No and it was just, it was really cool to have that kind of impact. And so uh, what I really felt that God was leading me to was that, hey, you, you might be done with uh, the donut business, but you're, you're not done with the mission field. Mm. And so uh, I came back and was talking with a business mentor of mine, somebody from fellowship that uh, has helped me over the years with our business and um, just said, hey, you know, this is, this is what God's really been putting on my heart. And he said, hey, have you ever heard of Freedom 5-1 Ministries? And, uh, and I said, no. And so I, I popped into this ministry and here's what I, here's what I found. Uh, here's two guys that are from uh, the fellowship congregation that about 10 years ago planted a financial ministry right here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and what they do is amazing, uh, amazing. They, the people that they help and, and what comes out of that ministry is, is great. Um, they walk through helping people put together a spending plan, um, and then they sit with those people for a year to help them build new life habits around implementing that spending plan on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this helps people just get better prepared for the curveballs that happen in life. And, and this is for all kinds of people. This is for all, all different income levels. 70% of the population um, is living paycheck to paycheck, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. Consumption's a thing in our society. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, they're just there to help and serve. And so I'm coming on board to, to help them, and I wanted to let everybody know uh, about the resource that we have, which is Freedom 5-1 Ministries. Uh, oftentimes, people don't want to talk about financial hurts and kind of where they're at. You know, they'll say things like, uh, they might mention the fact that they're feeling stuck or that they and their spouse are having a hard time around their finances or hard conversations, and um, we are we are a place that they can go and they can get help. Uh, For anybody that's just not able to get traction, we're here to to do that. And Mm -hmm. so we've got this little, this is is my information right here. I want to be their guy. I want to jump up and I want to help them. And so if you need help or if you know somebody that needs help, just get in 
getting help in the area of finances. That's, uh, that's what we're here for. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really looking forward to uh, as well is jumping out into local businesses mm. and helping their employees with their finances. I think it's a good service to the business. It was definitely a good service for us. And it's, and it's really good for the employees. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Beautiful. That's what we're doing. And, and one of the reasons I asked, let's give T a round. Thanks, brother. And uh, one, one of the reasons I asked T was, was his desire was not to help people make more money. It was to help people be a part of the kingdom. And it was to help people join in God's work in this, this world in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, last opportunity to give um, is just a link to, to our, our opportunities to give. Um, this is the part of the teaching that I didn't want to do. I really debated pulling it off, but then I thought I'd be doing you a disservice by not giving you opportunities. And uh, what I don't want in this time is you to feel obligated, guilted, or forced into providing. Um, a lot of us give online, and so sometimes the offering plate comes around, and we're like, I give online, why is it happening? But others, it's still part of the liturgy in this time. And I'd love for me to acknowledge, I think as a staff, we've kind of gotten into this thing in this room. And if you've been around Mosaic for a while, you know what I'm talking about. We call it the ninja plate. So you'll be in a moment of worship and, and you're either eyes closed, hands raised, you and the Lord and the community of the saints, and you get that nudge. <laughs> uh, and it can almost, not intentionally, but it can kind of disrupt you or get your eyes off of, oh, and what we would love to do for our body moving forward is actually to start incorporating the giving how it was meant to be done from the early church, which is a part of our liturgy. It's an act of worship. And so we're gonna sing another song, but before we do, I'd love for us to just have this time to pray. And as the offering plate comes up, I'd love for this to be not become an obligation, something we do out of guilt, but this is a way we, we are known as a body who's generous. And if you give online, great, pray. Uh, if you're not giving, pray. Consider, I, I care far more about your heart being aligned to the work of Jesus than you putting money in that thing. And if you're feeling like, I, I really do feel called, I wanna be generous and to share in this life. Again, there's so many resources. But would you take a moment as we pass the offering and, and would you, in the quiet of your heart, pray this prayer to the Lord.
So it's because of his goodness that we want to be good. And uh, to go be a blessing, not just to Northwest Arkansas, but to the world. Hey, uh, two training opportunities. Um, maybe tonight you're just like, I, I hear you, but I, I just don't know where to begin. Uh, I'd love to invite up Don Reed. Um, brilliant, brilliant saint who I adore a lot. Don has been uh, 
gosh, working, doing work for the kingdom across the, the nation uh, and is a man I look up to, but he has a, an opportunity coming our way and I'll get out of the way. You take it. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for giving me a couple minutes uh, to talk about the Align class. I uh, love some of the uh, phrases you used in the message tonight. In fact, you used the buzzword Align twice. Did you know yes. that? No, did I really? Yeah, you did. Look, I just this had a line the on the Watch the service. It's great. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there's a class coming up. And by the way, TR, love your vision as well and training. Part of the generosity that comes through being a part of the uh, fellowship family here is uh, many ways that uh, there are opportunities to help us carry out the formula that was in that passage in 17 to 19. We who are rich in Northwest Arkansas in comparison to the world, uh, be good, do good, be rich in good deeds, be willing to share. And then there's a reward that comes at the end. We have a class that talks about that for a period of six weeks. It's called the Align class. The next one coming up is in January 9. The class will be on Sunday morning. Uh, and here is the <laughs> all things richly to enjoy gift from God, Colin, for all of us. If you come through that class now, as of July 1 of this year, Fellowship has a contractual relationship with a ministry in California, it's about 39, 40 years old, so that everyone that goes through the class will have a no-cost, free will and trust customized for you and your household. Hmm. So, is it, anybody say amen or give a clap for that? <laughs> yeah. Now, registration is not open yet, uh, but it will be within a week or two, and I would encourage you to sign up. We did this class back in July, and it was oversubscribed. We had more people than, than could get into the room over at the training center. So watch for it. Align is the brand on it, but align your finances with the heart of God. You said that a couple of times, getting aligned with finances. You've indoctrinated me. Yeah, it's the word. Uh, and uh, join us. We'd love to see you on Sunday morning, January 9. And again, have something that God gives us generous, generously to enjoy, helping us do the kinds of things that will bless him and bless our heart as yeah. well. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it, brother. And uh, another opportunity, if some of our leaders, uh, community leaders, uh, were in a training today where we had Dr. Yarbrough from Dallas Theological Seminary here training us in First Timothy. You almost wish he would have done it before we got up here and said a bunch of stuff. <laughs> like, come on, doctor, come before. But that was on us. That wasn't him. But uh, we have a representative from Dallas Theological Seminary. Her name's Amanda in the foyer. Uh, if you're interested in getting more theological training, or in growing in your knowledge of the word and of the scriptures and of ministry, uh, we'd love to help you partner in that. And DTS has actually become a huge partner with fellowship in it. So if you're interested, please visit Amanda. If you're new, uh, don't leave without saying hi to somebody. If we can pray for you at all, our prayer team will be gathered right here. Mosaic, let's go be a blessing and generous givers of grace to Northwest Arkansas this week. We love you.